Thank you for joining us on the CFF Podcast. Today, Pastor Pablo Martinez will be inspiring you with a message from the Word of God. We hope you enjoy and welcome home. I want to share with you a little bit more about, about the, the kingdom of God. Like I said yesterday, I felt like I was a, 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 more like a shot, shot glass. And it was like an ocean just pouring on me. Because there's no way that I can understand the kingdom of God uh, in the short amount of time that I have. I believe that Jesus spent most of his time, if not all, just bringing the kingdom of God on earth, you know. And all he talked about, if you really start looking at his sermons, you know, he would talk about the kingdom of God is like, right? Jesus over and over, he said the kingdom of God, he even referred it to a mustard seed. And we think it's faith. Yes, it's faith. But he also talks about the kingdom of God as a mustard seed. It's amazing to me how everything Jesus would talk about was just the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God. And isn't it weird? Can I tell you, isn't it weird that very few of our songs are about the kingdom of God. We have a few, right? But very few of our sermons, and I feel ashamed even of saying this, you know. Much of your devotionals, if you really think about that, how many of those are about the kingdom of God? You know, our families, how much do we understand that our family is a royal family under a kingdom, not in a, in a different kind of government? You know, I, I've, um, I've made it my, 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 my task, my duty, my, my heart, you know, to where... I'm trying to lower the, the brightness on this thing. Um, to where God can, can really help me understand the kingdom and live out the kingdom in such a way that he would reign in my life. And he would reign in my family. I want to begin like this. Do you have a king? Do you really have a king? And if you have a king, um, what does that look like? I, um, I dethrone my king too often and that's not possible. That's uh, rebellion. Make sense? That is uh, anarchy. Uh, that is me telling God, I don't want you in my life. I've, I've, um, I've established something that everything I've read in my, in my days, in my devotionals, had they all been done in the light of the kingdom, they would have been more effective in my life. Let me repeat that. Everything you've read in your devotionals, if it had been read under the light of the kingdom, I believe it would have been more effective in your life. Under a democracy, you have the, the... So I want to give some contrast between a democracy and a kingdom. In a democracy, you vote your elected official, right? You vote the person according... You know, I don't want to ask you to raise your hand, but who, who voted for Trump and who didn't vote for Trump? It's like, well, I can't even vote. I know, but whoever wanted to vote, you know, uh, right? There's a lot of people, a lot of people in this place that, that really do believe we can vote God out of our lives, and we can vote God into our lives. And that we actually have a say in what is good and what is not good for us. What if I was to tell you that the way you've been living has been rebelling against the king. You've been living under a kingship with a democratic mindset. And that just doesn't work. Let me repeat that again. You and I have been living under a kingdom with a democratic mindset. And it is a really sad thing because um, I, I now as a father sometimes have to tell my son things. And unless my son understands that my home doesn't have a democracy, my son will live under disobedience. Am I making sense? Rebellion arises, believe it or not, from the simple words that say, does God really mean? Does God really say? Those were the words, the first words of rebellion from Satan to the world. Did God really say? The option to analyze the word, the option to Find a variant in what he's spoken to you. If God says to you, live, live, 
God says to you, die, die. If God says to you, give up your son, give up your son. I look at the words and the life of, of a man like Abraham. I know Abraham was able to understand the king asked him for something. The supreme ruler asked him for his son. And I think that I, as a democratic, you know, mindset guy, would have said, Lord, I know you said give up Elijah, but you probably meant <laughs> bring him more often to church or have him do more devotionals with him or give him up in my heart, right? You guys know what I'm saying? How many guys know Abraham didn't give up his son in his heart only? He gave him up in his heart and then he went and got a knife and got some, some, some wood and took him up this, this mountain, three days journey, that he would worship God with his son's life. How many of us know that when Noah heard build an ark, he didn't mean, hey, you know, build a, you know, an, an idea of an ark. You know, maybe build your home so that it will be a safe haven for people to come and be saved in your home as an ark. He built a boat. He built a huge boat. You know, whenever we hear Daniel, God speak to his life and said, open the windows and pray, even though it's against the law. Do it three times a day. And so every day, three times, not, look, he could have done it with the windows closed. He could have done it in the other room where it doesn't face the street. But he opened the windows, lifted up his hands, knowing that would take him to the lion's den. Eventually it would be called Daniel's den, not the lion's den. That might making sense. Those lions were there just as blankets for him. You know, but we came to know that story later. He didn't know that in the first hand. What is God asking us for that shows, that shows that you have a king? What are you offering to God that says, I actually have a king? Does your life look like there's a ruler above you and that ruler being God? I know that today, if you and I learn to read the word of God with the understanding that the kingdom is not about a religion, that the kingdom is a country. The kingdom is, is, not, about, is not about a set of, of beliefs. It is a nation of God established that you cannot see, but it must be established in the physical as well. Let me explain it like this. The, termino the terminology um, in, the in the word of God, it's all a kingdom terminology. All of it. It speaks with phrases of kings and queens and, and subjects and, and, and uh, surrender and sacrifice. All these, these amazing words that you would find. The most important thing that we need to understand today is that the Bible, the word of God, is my creed for me to be established as a, as, a, as, a, as a royal family in this earth. So we think in terms of the kingdom of God as subjects because what the enemy has done, he's taken the childhood, the child mentality away from you, the son of the king mindset, and we begin to live as subjects. Uh, this is super important. I want you guys to write it down for just a second. And that is that the kingdom of the Bible is about a royal family. The Bible is about a royal family. And you are a son of the almighty God, the king of the universe. You're a daughter of the almighty God, the king of the universe. You have to approach your life and you have to approach the word of God as a child of God, as a child of God. If you ever have been, if you have been battling with low self-esteem, with fear, with doubt, with, with the, the unbelief that God can use you, you know, I can't, I don't know, I can't believe that God will use me. Or, or the, the fear that God will not hear your prayers. Or the fear that you will end up, you know, somehow, some way, less than what you dreamt. 
And I tell you this, you're the child of a king. To walk around as royalty, to understand how valuable you are, the enemy cannot do half of what he's been doing in your life. Am I making sense? I've, uh, I actually know, uh, you know people that come from royalty. Uh, and, um, but there's this one lady, Pastor Kuna. I don't know if you guys know Pastor Kuna. That's Pastor Art's wife. And uh, she comes literally from royal lineage. Like her family, uh, you know, is this, this royal family. And the way she behaves is different. And at first, when I first saw it, it kind of clashed with me. Because I was like, this lady's too confident. <laughs> and then I realized she is humble, but she knows who she is. She's humble, but she knows who she is. And most of the time, the enemy will devalue you to a moment because you don't have a, real, a royal lineage. He'll devalue you to what you can get now. That's a mentality of poverty. Get whatever you can while you can. Get it here, get it now, because after all, you're poor. And you may not have wealth in the future, and you didn't have wealth in the past. An investment mindset, a person who has wealth from the back, from behind, from the past, and will have wealth in the future knows to not live for the moment. Am I making sense? You must understand, and I must understand, that the terminology of the Bible is a terminology of the kingdom. Now here's where I'm going to get a, a, little bit, um, a little bit deeper into what I spoke about yesterday, and that is the, uh, the colonization. Colonization. Uh, the extension of the influence of the kingdom of God the extension of the influence of the kingdom of God is the sole purpose of God. A guy came up to me yesterday and said, God, Pastor, I still don't know what my purpose is. And I wish I could have just told him one thing and one thing only. And I wish he could have understood me because I did kind of share it with him. And your sole purpose is to be an extension of the kingdom of God on this earth. That is your sole purpose. My sole purpose is that the kingdom of God would be extended through my life. That's it. So whatever it takes... Whatever it takes, Ezekiel, that the kingdom of God would be extended through your life. That is the reason why Jesus came to this world. Yes, to seek and to save that which was lost. To save them unto what? To seek them for what? To take them where, by the way? Right? Back to relationship with the king. And so the sole purpose for us is to establish the kingdom of God here on earth as it is in heaven. Here's where I'm going to spend a little bit of time. The difference between the kingdom of God here and the kingdom of God in heaven is very, very different. There's complete soul obedience to God in heaven. Any disobedience will not be tolerated in heaven. It's displayed as the way we saw it in Lucifer. Any variation of complete diligence to God is already anarchy. It's already standing against the government of God. Can you truly pray this prayer today? You know... Alex, Nathan, you know, uh, I'm telling you right now. Verge, can you truly say there's no, in the slightest bit, disobedience in my life. Like, it is here on my life as it is in heaven. Like, whatever God says, that goes immediately. That is what it says on, on earth as it is in heaven. That the angels constantly live a life of worship to the king. Constantly, can you say, yeah, as it is in heaven, it is with me. You know what I mean? That really, that, you know, tell me, tell me one thing that you could find, that you cannot find in heaven. Sadness. There's no sadness in heaven. And so when I think of the kingdom of God, I think of the kingdom of God now, especially as the biggest blessing in my life. 
It is a huge blessing to understand that the kingdom of God is a treasure. The Bible speaks about, and you heard me say this yesterday, I didn't have time to develop it, but that the kingdom of heaven is like a great treasure found in a field or a pearl. Do you guys remember that? That the man sold everything out to keep it. In the kingdom of God, there should be no sorrow. There should be no regret. There should be no pain. There should be no sickness. This is why when Jesus came to bring healing, he didn't come to preach on healing. He already had the kingdom of God in him. And so he brought healing. He brought freedom. He brought joy. He brought, does that make sense? He brought unity. That is the kingdom of God being established. So what I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share with you today is that many times our terminology is wrong. So because our terminology is wrong, we don't understand certain words or certain ways of thinking in the scripture. Then our theology is also wrong. Okay, and our theology gets really messed up because we think, like I said, we think um, not like it says in the Bible. Um, the, the concept that you're not of this world, you guys heard me talk about that a little bit. I'm just trying to go deeper into these things and then I'll go to the points that I missed. Um, and we talked about you're from heaven. Do you really believe you're a heavenly being? Let me remind that, repeat that. Do you really believe you're a heavenly being? I mean, we use that as pickup lines. Did it hurt? What? When you fell from heaven, because <laughs> you're an angel or something, you know what I mean? But do you really believe you're a heavenly being? I mean, do you really understand your life as a heavenly being? Uh, do you really believe that you were sent by God as a heavenly being to an earth that you don't belong to, that you're not to love, at least not to be one with? And do you believe truly that you're not of this world and you don't belong in this world? You belong in heaven, and while you're here in this world, you have a specific task. I didn't want to say it in the way I'm going to say it right now because I don't want to sound like a Martian to new people. But it really is that important for you to understand that this is not your end. This is just transition. You're just walking by. This is not our destination. And it sounds even cultic to people that don't understand the kingdom of God. But this is really not your final destination. This is simply the transition place. How weird, think about this, how weird would it be for me to take a trip to Mazatlan and to not want to get off the plane. And people to say, we're here. No, I'm not leaving. Hey, we got to clean up. Get out. No, 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 no. Don't, don't, don't let me. No, no, no. Hold on, hold on. Wait, wait. No. And I really grab onto my seat. It's like, what are you doing? No, I'm meant to be here. This is my place. No, no. I paid for this. What are you talking? You're, you're meant to be in like the beach, man. Like there's so much more beauty than a, than a spade. Like, you know, the little flip down thing. Like. There's much more. There's not even Wi-Fi in this place. Like you, the free Wi-Fi, you know? Like, does that make sense? We grab on to the transient place. We grab on to that place without understanding that you're not from here. Come on. What about our marriages? What about the way we live? Do we live really as though this is just an investing moment for what really is to come? Are you truly aware? Are you keenly aware that this is just transition? This is just a small moment. The Bible says that our life is but a mist. Literally, it's just a mist here today and gone tomorrow. That shouldn't freak you out. That should get you excited. Because it means that there's an eternity to be spent with God. I, um, I was praying for someone who got in a car accident. You know, Alba's, I guess you could say father-in-law. Because Alba's mom's stepdad. Yeah, stepdad. There you go. There you go. That's better. Uh, a stepdad, you know. And my first question to Alba's, it always is, you know, as I was praying yesterday again. I was like, hey, Alba's, um, is he saved? Does he know God? And she said, he gave, we led him to Jesus two years ago. And I was super excited about that. Then she said, but he's not a disciple of Christ. 
or he doesn't live as a disciple of Christ. And that really brought sadness to me, not because of the salvation issue, mainly because of what he's missing. Because he doesn't have any more time. Maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't. Am I making sense that what you do have in this world is the time to invest into where you're going? Remember that always. Please hear me out. Whenever you get tired of serving, just remember, man, I cannot get tired of serving. This is just a little while. I don't have enough time. I don't have that. People live on this earth as though they were eternal. But really, the truth is, this earth is going to pass away very, very quickly. The kingdom of God is everlasting. The kingdom of earth is only, only momentary. Long after the United States of America exists no more, the kingdom of heaven will still prevail. Let me repeat that again to you. Long after the United States of America is no more, the kingdom of God will still prevail. Everlasting to everlasting, forever and ever and ever. Before being anything else, you're a citizen of heaven. Now let me spend some time on that. Citizenship. What does a citizen have that a resident alien or a non-resident alien have? Rights. Okay, which rights are these? Give me one, one right that the citizen has. What is it? Now you're thinking democracy. Now you guys are thinking democracy, okay? Now I'm talking about a citizen of a kingdom. To bear arms here? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> no, no, no. The citizen of a kingdom. Ah, Think like a kingdom. Now because we're a democracy, we're in a democracy, it's really, really hard, all right? Huh? Thank you. Okay, we talk about rights. And I said, well, you have no rights at all if you're under the king. Okay, you have the rights that the king de decides. Does that make sense? That's it. But you are, as long as you're under the kingdom, then anybody attacking you is attacking the king. Did you know that? So long as you're under the kingdom, anybody attacking you is attacking the king. I love, 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 love it. Because back in the day when the king would send a messenger somewhere, this is cool. And the king would send this guy and the king's messenger would get beat or attacked or killed. That meant war. That meant you have just completely killed one of, my, one of mine. Make sense? Now, listen to this. This is so beautiful. When the Bible says, when the world offends you, when the world hurts you, don't worry about it. Because they're not doing it to you. They're doing it to me. That's not fully comprehended. It's not understood until you understand, oh, that's so cool. That means that if they offend me, they're going to have to take it up with my Lord, with my king. Does that make sense? When someone in your cell group says, oh, yeah, you know, and just talks bad about you, hey, you know what? I love you so much. I'm going to pray for mercy for your life. Yeah. Does that make sense? If you will get less angry at people that are offending you because they don't know who they're offending. Yeah. Am I making sense? Instead, you will have mercy. I learned this from my mom. One day I got really mad because my stepdad was acting a fool. Now, he's, he wasn't being violent. He was just being foolish. And I can tell you this. My mom one day told me, I said, Mom, why do you put up with this guy? This is before I was, you know, discipled. I said, why do you put up with this guy? And she just, she looked at me as though, as though I was like a weird bug. Like, have I taught you nothing? You know? <laughs> and I was like, why do you put up with this guy? Let's just leave him, you know? I mean, you know, we, never, we didn't need him before. We don't need him now. That was what I was saying, okay? I, by the way, I was 17 years old. And so when I tell my mom this, she said, you know what? I'm going to ask you to do something. And she said, what? She said, pray with me for him. Pray for Sam with me. And I was like, what the heck? Like, this doesn't even make sense. Leave him, you know? And, and I, I, I couldn't understand what she was saying until 
she tried to explain this to me. She's like, you don't see, but we are God's grace on his life. Like we're a piece of God's grace on his life. Where would he be without us? And I was like, now listen, listen to what I just said to you. Do you think that way about yourself towards people? Without being cocky about it. But man, I'm God's grace over your life. <laughs> like I am the extension of the kingdom of God on you. Therefore, you have a, a, a fighting chance at salvation. You have a fighting chance at, at, at what God's mercy has over you. Like, now, listen, this sounds really weird without the context of the kingdom. Because then you think it comes out of you. I just told you you're a representative of the king. And whatever the king has is offered to those that come under the kingdom of God. I, I realize that the language is a blessing. To be able to speak the language of the king, it's a huge blessing. To speak as a king, to speak as royalty, to be able to communicate with the king is a beautiful thing. To have the understanding, please listen. I realize that when people are fall, when, when they're under a king and the king declares that there is peace in the land, then there's peace in your life as well. When the king says there's peace in the land, there's peace in all of the land. But when the king says there's war, we all go to war. Did you know that in a kingdom, a family cannot say, my son will not go to war. In a democracy, there's still some loopholes. Like, well, he's the youngest of them all. Or the oldest, is it the oldest or the youngest? The oldest of them. Or you know what? Like, you know, he's what? He's flat-footed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In the kingdom, there's no such a thing. It's like, I'm summoning all the 12-year-olds to come and fight. Because what? You have a 12-year-old? He's going to fight. In the kingdom... There's this amazing thing where, where the law of the land is simply the heart of the king. In the, in the democracy, it doesn't work that way. There's also a great, great blessing that comes by being under a king. And I love this one here. Give me one second if this could recognize my face. Okay, the, the understanding and the, the, the concept that, hold on. That the Abrahamic promise, the Abrahamic promise comes to you. In a kingdom, did you know that if there's a debt that is owed... The family owes the debt. It's not just the father. In a kingdom, if the father cannot pay back the government, meaning the king, then the son will pay. And if the son can't pay, then the other son will pay. And then they'll take the grandchildren if they can't pay. That's intense. That's like, oh my goodness, that's horrible. But then again, it works the same way with inheritance. It works the same way when the king has favor over one man, has favor over the entire family. When the king has favor over one man, has favor no matter who says what. Let me repeat this to you. In a kingdom, when the king declares favor over someone, other people can't touch him, even if he owes something. Even if there's some debt that he needs to pay. When the king says you're forgiven, you're fully forgiven. Did you know that the king has that kind of power to forgive you and your generations? That if you're in favor with the king, no one can touch you. No one except the king. Am I making sense? If I hear, I'm, I'm, you know, if I am, I'm into good grace with President Trump and I run someone over and I say, I don't care in national TV, you know, I run somebody over. So what? My friend's the president. What do you think is going to happen to me? Uh, yeah, I still go to jail. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. I could try to find some loopholes. But eventually, come on now. But you know, in the kingdom, even if you run, even if you run your mom over and the king says, I don't care, I forgive him. There's nothing that anyone can say. His forgiveness is obsolete. Absolute. Absolute? No, obsolete. Absolute. Meaning, what he says stands. And if he says you're forgiven, then you're forgiven. 
That's the right that a king has that a president doesn't have or a prime minister. He simply says, and everyone over the, over the kingdom simply obeys. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah? Um, the kingdom is the extension of heaven, right? There's three things that God came to establish uh, that through his kingdom. The first one is his extension of heaven. The invisible kingdom to, God, to a visible planet called earth. He wanted to colonize earth with heaven. He wanted to colonize earth with heaven. Are you here today, right? You guys, we come to pray, we come to intercede. But do you realize that what we're asking God to do is something that he already wants to be done? Okay, so you're asking God to do something that he's, he's already wanting to do it. So I've realized this, that the more I pray, it's not that God wants it more. Sometimes you pray things thinking that you're going to get God to want something more so that he can actually do it. Let me repeat this. Sometimes we pray thinking that we're trying to make God want something more. But some things God already wants, fully wants. He wants freedom, redemption. He wants your family to be saved. He wants California for him. I believe that 100%. So why do we pray? What is it about prayer? I read that prayer is the connection between heaven and earth. It's a bridge. It's the place where heaven meets earth. I know that this is where the place where our hearts come together with God's heart unites and then we can carry out everything that he has out of his heart, not out of our own. So we can serve him more purely. We can love people more kindly. We can have much more strength for doing everything that we have. As we pray, as we communicate with God, then more of his heart comes to our heart. I realize that the more I pray, the better husband I become. That's so weird. And when I don't pray, and I don't mean that I don't pray at all because I still pray. <laughs> but when I stop praying as I normally and as I should pray, my wife notices right away. And she literally tells me, have you been spending time with God lately? Yes, of course I have. I prepared three sermons. No. <laughs> now, have you been spending time with God? You know what happens is in prayer is that we become more kingly. We become more like our king. The more we communicate with him, the closer you are to the king, the more you realize you have to behave like him. Let me repeat this. The closer you are to the king, the more you realize, man, the protocol stands. I must behave like my king. If I am far away in a faraway land, it's a little bit harder. But when I am with the king, man, I'm telling you, my head must be lower. I must be humble. Amen? I invite you guys to really say to God, God, help me to understand that prayer is not something that you need. It's something that I need. Prayer is something that I need. Let me talk a little bit about the glory of God. This is where I wish I would have spent more, more time yesterday. I could have spent the entire night talking about the glory of God. And I've been trying to hurry up just so I can get to this point. Because it really is that cool. The glory of God, the literal word is kabod. Kabod. K-A-B-O-D. Kabod. And it means heavy, weight, impact, or imprint. It also means essence. The essence of God. The glory of God. The kabod of God. I wrote it down right here. Uh, all kingdoms manifest themselves in people, in culture, not in location. So, okay, so location is important. I get it. But you as people carry the kabod of your culture, meaning of your, of your birthing place. So I, I brought Brian up, and I actually have it written down here. Jamaica, even if you live in L.A., you still sound Jamaican. Because that's where you're from. That's your culture. That's your kabod. That's your imprint. That's the weight of your culture on you. Ewani has been living how long? In, in, how long have you guys been in the U.S.? 17 years. And you still say posho. 
right? Pocho, that's so Argentinian, right? Vos. Most of the people would tell you this. You should be speaking in English, but you're, so, you're drinking mate. Look at, just look at the cabot of Argentina. Look at the essence of Argentina on that woman right there, right? That, to people that don't know, is like, it's like a drug. Are you, you know, we got pulled over before for doing this. You know, what I'm, t I'm serious. We were in Mexico, and this cop pulled us over and he, because Eoni was, was drinking her mate, and he thought it was some sort of pot or something, you know? I, I'm telling you, but it's such an imprint, such, a, such, a, such an imprint, okay? Uh, Nadia has this, this friend, this, this special friend that... that anyway... He's Colombian. He, you guys don't even know him, right? He's fully Colombian. Fully Colombian. He was born and raised in Colombia. But then he lived in Argentina for 11 years. 11 years? 10 years. I've heard that he's more Argentinian than most Argentinians. Like this guy speaks and feels and, 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 and the way he is. And he loves mate. And I'm like, dude, in 11 years, he was so caboted. <laughs> That it's a very strong imprint, right? It's a very strong, it's a very weight. It, it bears a lot of weight. Did you know that? I remember when I spent some time in Colombia, I came back speaking Colombianish. It's true. It's like, whoa, where, what? You sound Colombian. Have you ever been around someone that just imprints on you? It sounds really like, <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Okay, give me one example of someone imprinting on you. That sounds very like, uh, what is it called? Twilight-ish. <laughs> Once you've imprinted on someone, you cannot imprint on someone else. You know. Uh, anyway, so someone, someone's influence on your life. Give me an example of someone's influence on your life. Frank's on your life. Thank you very much. Great, 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 great. Who? 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 Uh, <laughs> I wish it was more. All of a sudden, who says that? Who said all of a sudden? Ezekiel. We all of a sudden say, all of a sudden. I actually heard it from Louis first, and I started saying it when I heard it from Louis. So you probably heard it from Ezekiel. <laughs> wow. That is, that is what this is talking about. Listen, this is exactly what it's talking about. That the glory of God is on his people. The glory of God is on his people. His imprint, his image, his, his kabod is on his people. Do you, do you look like, do you do the things that a heavenly person does? When I read the book, The Heavenly Man, I didn't understand it so much. As when I began to read it more, I was like, that makes sense. It's not just a title he got from that one moment. He lived on earth as in heaven. His life surrendered to God. When I met the heavenly man in Colombia, I thanked him. I said, thank you so much for all you've done for us, for the gospel. He said, I've done nothing. It's all done for me. He pretty much thought, he was like mad about it that I would even thank him. He was like, no, it's for me. It was my blessing, my honor. And I was just like, dang, you mean to tell me you got abused the way you got abused? If you haven't read the book, read the book. And, uh, and I realized, you know, the more I see people like that and as I relate it back to this, it makes a lot of sense now. It should be something that's normal, not abnormal. It should be the normality of our lives to understand that the imprint of heaven, the kabod of God is on us. And people should tell right away. People should be able to see, oh, that's because she's Christian. Amen? Colin, people should say, oh, it makes sense. It's because he's a child of God. Right? Why are you so blessed? Oh, because you're a child of God. Do you know what I'm saying? Wait, wait, wait. Why does your family look like, oh, because they're children of God. To bring the glory of God on your life, it literally means to bring the influence of heaven Stronger than any other culture. So here's what I wrote down. The culture that wins is usually the stronger culture, isn't it? The culture that predominates. So for example, in, uh, in Mexico City, there used to be no Chinese people. 
And I heard, I haven't been there in a long time, but that Tepito, which is like the most like Mexico City place that you could ever think of, is now full of Chinese people, which is amazing because it's a commerce. It's like this epicenter of commerce in Mexico City. Um, and they are ruling that place. It said, I was heard that there's like, if you go to a shop, there's no Mexicans. All that people that take care of Tepito now are Chinese people. And I was like, this is amazing. It really is cool because it happens here. It happens in so many places. Listen, I'm not saying this is negative. This is powerful. That their culture is so powerful that wherever they land, they start taking over. You guys ever heard of that or no? Yeah? It's amazing. It's a very strong culture. They don't lose their values quickly like other people do. It's amazing to me. It's a beautiful thing to learn it from the kingdom of heaven perspective. What if I was to tell you wherever you show up, you don't lose your kingdom values. No matter who, no matter what, this is my kingdom value. Amen? Why don't you do this? Because I'm a son of a king. Because I'm a child of God. Because this is my kingdom value. Let me ask you specifically to write down right now two kingdom values you have. Two values from the kingdom of heaven that do not get negotiated by anything or anyone. Go ahead and write them down real quick. The Bible says the earth shall be filled with the glory of God. The world will be filled with the culture of God. Let me repeat this as you guys write that down. The earth shall be filled with the glory of God. Well, that means that the earth will be filled with the imprint of God. Listen to this. We think that the glory of God is a feeling. The glory of God is a moment. The glory of God is on your life. The glory of God is his culture, is his impression upon this culture. So go ahead and you guys already got the two. Share them with, no? Still got one? I thought you would have written 20 by now. Uh, one, one. Give me one more. One thing that is, that is culture of God. Culture of the kingdom. What is it? Perfect. So, Ryan just said, I will never acknowledge anyone else as my savior or as my Lord, right? I would say that, right? That's definitely true. Can we all agree with that one? Yeah. Perfect. Okay. Give me one more of these. One more of the non-negotiable culture. Okay, go ahead. God is above everything else. Perfect. That's very, very much in line with that. One more. Yeah, Paige, since you smiled. God's time is God's time. Okay, that no undivided attention to the Lord. Just, right? Is that what I get? Undivided attention. Go ahead, Doris. Never hide sin or lie about it. Perfect. I'm going to tell you this. Whatever you wrote down, you're going to get freaked out. Whatever you wrote down, whatever you could actually write, anything you can write down, everything there sums up and comes together into the Ten Commandments. Everything you could possibly write down is a variation of the Ten Commandments. That's, that's the beauty of this. That the Ten Commandments given to God, given to, to Moses by the Lord, everything we have, is a variation of the Ten Commandments. You just spoke of thou shalt not lie, right? Thou shalt not bear false witness, or, or no, thou shalt not have uh, you know, uh, uh, false idols, right? Or any other God you should. Okay, I'm asking you, seriously, anything you can possibly write down that's of, kingdom, of the kingdom of God comes down to the Ten Commandments. But let me ask you, how many of you actually know the Ten Commandments by heart? How many of us truly know the laws of the king, you know, the laws of heaven? I would, I would, highly recommend to you that you begin to read the Bible not as an optional reading, but as the way you will establish the kingdom of heaven on your family. 
the kingdom of heaven on your life. You don't read the Bible for information. You read the Bible as your guiding path, as your transformational book. If you don't know, the reason I'm not a lawyer is because I don't know the Constitution enough. The reason I'm not a lawyer is because I don't know the law of the land. The reason, listen, the reason I cannot represent myself in the court of law is because I don't know what I'm doing. Isn't that amazing? That you could get sued right now. Listen, I can, if I have enough money, I can sue you and you could lose even if you're right just because you cannot afford a lawyer. That's wild. You would rather say, fine, I'll pay you $10,000 because I cannot afford to pay somebody to represent me because I don't know. That's happening. Did you guys know that happens? That people all over the world, I mean, all over the U.S., it happens all the time. People get sued for 10 grand and they just say, fine, I'll pay you the 10 grand because I would end up paying 15 grand to a lawyer. I would rather pay you the 10 grand than the 15 or 20 grand to a lawyer that I may not get back. Does that make sense? It's wild to me, so wild, that you don't know the law, so you get beat up by it. Well, that's one thing on this earth. What about the laws of God? What is the consequence of not knowing the laws of the king? You're not in a democracy. Let me repeat that again. If you're in the kingdom of God and you don't know the laws of the king, Lord have mercy. Am I making sense? We don't, know, we don't want to know the word of God because we don't see the value of it. When you understand the value of the word of God, you're going to want to know it more and more. So I'm going to invite you to begin to read the Bible as the way you will establish your family, the way you will establish your life. I've heard over and over, and it didn't make as much sense as it does now, that either the word of God will push sin out of your life or sin will push the word of God out of your life. Because it's the loss of God. Because it's the understanding that I, these are not options for my life. And the more I know them, the less I am likely to fall into the traps of the enemy. Does that make sense? The more I know the desire of my, my father, the less I'll displease him. Amen? But what I'm telling you guys seriously is that to understand the laws of God is simply your blessing. It's simply saying, thank you, Lord, because I didn't know that this was something you desired. But now I know you desire this so I can please you with it. Did you know that the more you know the person you fall in love with, the more you can please them? And that's a beautiful thing. I just told you some, a secret for your marriage. You must always ask, ask and talk because whatever she liked five years ago, she doesn't like anymore. And then all of a sudden she started liking a different kind of cookie that she didn't even know existed. You know what I mean? Now you can please her even more. I'm telling you this, seriously. This is the beauty of God, that the more you know God, the more you can please Him, the more relationship you can develop with Him. Amen? The kingdom of God. This is really, really cool. Um, God delegated His rulership, right? Genesis 1.26. I read it to you guys yesterday. Let us make man or mankind in our image. Characteristic and nature, right? Image is the glory of God. We already talked about that. The imprint of God. Let us make man to our own glory. Let us make man to our own image, our essence, our nature. If you understand, if you truly understand that God made you glorious, tell the person next to you, God made you glorious. God made you glorious. God made you glorious. When you pray, you're afraid of God not answering because you pray as a someone who has no glory. We pray as a someone who may be a far cousin relative of the one who can actually hook you up. What if you prayed with authority? Did you know that Jesus, when he spoke, he spoke with authority? That's wild to me. That a Christian could believe they have no authority. That a Christian would have to beg. And I'm telling you this, you have authority in the kingdom of God. I've always said this about Eoni. I said, Eoni, 
when you say things, I don't know if you're saying them because you're a prophet and you see it coming down the road or the fact that you say it makes it come to pass. You have so much authority. I mean it. Like when she says something, I, I now have, after 10 years, have learned to listen. Sort of, sort of. You know, because every single time she said something to me, especially about couples or relations, she's never been wrong. Not one time. Never. Ever. Since I've known her, has she ever been wrong? Specific things about struggles or things. And, and I'm like, why? And I don't know if it's like her words of authority and she just hasn't gone to pass or because she just sees things that sometimes she just... Why do I tell you this? Did you know you have a prophet's mouth? Did you know that your words have authority? When you say, man, I'll never have that. Okay. Someone with authority of the king just spoke. When you say, you know what, you're good for nothing, you just declared with authority ruin over someone's life. When you tell somebody, man, you're so dumb. You literally just spoke with such authority. That's why we as parents must understand the authority that we have as royalty over our children. When you speak to your boss, you have authority. It doesn't mean you're going to speak over the boss. You're going to speak over his life. Am I making sense? This is why you can bring tears to someone's eyes without singing to them. Because you have authority. Am I making sense? This is why when the enemy comes and tells you, you're going to die. You're good for nothing. Your children are going to, you say, with authority. Better shut your mouth. Does that make sense? Because you have authority. But unless you understand the kingdom and the glory of God over your life, you won't speak with authority. Have you ever, ever, ever said to a cop, Whatever, bro. Never. You know why? Because the cop bears an image and the image of law. If a cop has no uniform, a cop has no badge, he can tell you whatever he wants. You're gonna, whatever, bro. You just run him right over. Because he's right there. And not that you would want to, but you know. What are you doing stopping traffic, man? Get out of the way, you bum. True or not? But all of a sudden he wears a little blue hat and little white gloves. And no, no, no. We must respect. Is it true or not? Because he bears an image. The image of the law. A doctor, say someone shows up to your room, Colin, you've seen this before. Someone, you show up to somebody's you know, room, they're sick and you're in the hospital. What if you show up looking like that, Colin? To someone, just try to administer medicine to the guy. Don't touch me. I would not, would you let someone touch you looking like you like that? I mean, you look good, but, right? Why not? Because you don't look like a doctor, man. Get away from me. You don't bear the image off. You have no authority to speak to me. Wow. When I think about this, I think I bear the image of God. And so when I come in, I have an authority. When you give your cell group, guys, do you give it as a, as a man of authority, as a woman of authority? Or do you speak words with, well, I put something together. I don't know. I found it from somewhere online. No, bro, you have authority. Amen? Speak with authority. Preach with authority. Share the words of God with authority. Don't ever share a word did you know the word of God never comes back empty? And I hear that and I think, oh, that's a wonderful thing. But that's also a scary thing. It's also a very scary thing. Come back with straight judgment. Because you share the word, they disobeyed it, and now they're getting judged for it. So speak with authority. Am I making sense? The word of God never comes back empty. doesn't mean it comes back with blessing. Sometimes it just comes back with disobedience from someone. That's scary to me. That's why I speak sometimes with authority because I say I will not have this word be unheard. I hate it when somebody falls asleep when I'm preaching. Not because they're disrespecting me. Because they're missing out on something so powerful. Speak with authority. I kicked one person one time in my cell group to wake him up. He woke up saying, what the? F-? Literally cussing out in the middle of my cell group. And he's like, oh. 
And I was like, yes, wake up. <laughs> I don't care what it takes, wake up. Wake up. There's authority in the words that are being preached. Not because they're mine, because they're my kings. Do you know that you bear a certain authority because of the way you look? Because God gave you his image. This is amazing. If you understand this right now, man, I'm telling you guys, seriously. How much more would, if my kid grows up with this understanding, how much less can the enemy do with him? Am I making sense? When his friends, oh, you're not, you're not down, you're not down. I know, because I'm different than you guys. Does that make sense? Yeah, because he won't, probably won't say it out loud. He probably could. You know what I mean? But he'll be like, yeah, I'm royalty. I don't roll like that. That's for others that don't have a kingship. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, that kind of understanding will save your life. What if I said to you that you have the authority from heaven in your lips? In your lips. In your lips. When was the last time you prayed and really believed it was going to happen no matter what? Before we pray today for our nation, for our state, you must pray as a son, as a daughter of the king. When you speak words, they're decrees. Did you know? This is really cool. In a kingdom is very different than in a democracy because we must vote our laws into place. I agree. 67% of people in California voted that marijuana should be legal. Did you know that in the kingdom, if the king says, nope, ain't legal, it's not legal. The moment the king says, ah, it pleases me, it becomes a law. That's wild. That's so wild that you have that kind of understanding and that authority from heaven that says, I declare. What does it mean to declare in the name of Jesus? When you pray, what does it mean to declare in the name of the king of kings? Man, in the, when you come into a kingdom and say, in the name of the king, give me your cattle. Wow. All right. <laughs> now, not just anyone can say that. They must have the authority of the king and the support of the king. But in the name of the king, in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Everything I just said has been sealed by the authority of the Lord. How powerful is that to understand that what I say has this backing from heaven? Amen? Can you pray for your children? Can you pray for your family that way? Amen? Ali, can you pray over Noah about that way? You know, in the name of Jesus Christ, I declare. Does that make sense? These are the things that we must declare over our disciples, over the people around us. Amen? Um, let, me, let me go a little bit further and then we pray. Uh, dominion. The literal word is radah. Radah. R-A-D-A-G-H, and it sounds like radach. <laughs> anyway, dominion. And it says, let them have radah, which means kingdom or dominion over the earth. Dominion, radah. Let them have kingdom over, I'm not going to tell you the Aramaic word because when I looked, for, looked it up, it was really weird. It's mamalaka. <laughs> so don't even worry about it. First thing God gave you in this entire world, first thing he gave you, is kingdom. King, dom. Dom, dominion. King, dom. Dominion of the king. First thing God gave you when you came to this world, he gave you dominion. He declared that you would be someone of kinship. Let me repeat this to you. You must have and exercise the authority of heaven in your life, over the things that are controlling you, cannot control you. You must exercise authority in your life. You don't have control of your finances. So exercise authority over your finances. You know, when Eoni and I did our budget last week, I exercised the authority of heaven over what God gave me. If you don't have stewardship, you are disobeying God. This is so insanely important for you to get right now. If you're not 
having dominion over the things that God gave you, then you're disobedient to God. And so the curse of disobedience will follow that area of your life. Have authority over your emotions. Your emotions don't have authority over you. Listen, have authority. I'm going to go back to the finances really quick because I want you to be blessed. Start budgeting your money. Start taking it places. Don't let money manage you. Don't let, even if you have $10 to your name, those $10 should be managed according to the rules of God. The first money that goes out of our account should be serving the Lord, should be back to the Lord. If you don't have that dominion over your money, your money has dominion over you. Let me go back to that because I want you to be blessed. Exercise dominion over the earth. It means I'm going to exercise dominion over everything that God gave me with his ruler, with his rulership. Okay. So if I don't manage my time, someone is going to manage my time. That someone usually is Satan. If I, Sergio, are you managing your time with the dominion of heaven? That's the key. You and I must really get this. Otherwise, we will live fruitless lives. I just told you about financial ruin. If you don't manage your money, it'll ruin you. Even if you have it, it'll still ruin you. You'll just have more ruin controlling you. Does that make sense? Now, time management. If you don't have dominion over your time, if you're not a king over your time, then who's the king over your time? I know people whose bosses with an ungodly agenda rule their lives. I'm sorry to tell you this. You're a stepping stone. You're not my altar. Let me repeat this to you. You must manage your time. You must manage your career, your education, the things you read, the things you watch. You must manage your life. If you're not ruling your life, then how could you rule anything else? Begin to manage. Begin to have kingdom mindset in your life. Anything that the king doesn't rule over is not a part of his kingdom. Let me repeat this again. Anything that the, rule, the king doesn't rule over is not a part of his kingdom. Let me ask you, whose, part of, whose kingdom is the part you're not ruling over? Whose kingdom does it belong to? There's two kingdoms, by the way. The kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of hell. The kingdom of the enemy. So if you're not ruling over it with the authority of heaven, who's ruling over it? If you're not ruling your money, if you're not ruling your emotions... Who's ruling over your emotions? Sadness, depression, lust. Why is that taken captive? Why is your mind taken captive? It's because you're not managing it. I'm going to start teaching my 12 how to manage their thoughts, how to dream. I want them to teach you as well how to actually dream and drive towards your purpose. Because I've realized a lot of time in my life has been wasted because I have not driven my purpose. I've, I've driven some of it, but not enough of it. How much more could I have accomplished if I've been driving my purpose constantly? Raise your hand if you're a cell leader. Really quick. Awesome. Wow, that's a lot of powerful people here. It's good stuff. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Raise your hand if you want to be a cell leader. All right, good. The rest of you guys don't admire your cell leaders. That's why. Okay, good, good, good. Okay, cool, cool. So if you have, if you understand that God called you to, this is going to sound weird, to have dominion over a ministry, it doesn't mean lord over them it means to have dominion to actually manage to actually have accountability for them to know where it's going to take care of the resources to exploit its resources to make sure it grows are you really managing this is crazy or are you just keeping alive are you maintaining it or are you managing it you have disciples here that will hold you accountable but above all you have god i invite you guys to start being kings and queens over what God gave you. 
Have dreams for it. Amen. This is the craziest thing. I'm going to finish with this. Why in the world, why in the world colonization? Why would someone want to colonize somewhere else? Okay. Why would I want to, see for us, democracy driven people, we think that's weird. We think that's mean. Isn't it? We think it's so mean. Like, oh, just, just let Nicaragua be Nicaragua. We don't think in terms of expansion of the kingdom. We think in terms of respect of boundaries and lines. That's awesome. That's awesome. Unless you love your king and realize your king has better things to offer than anyone else for anyone else. Unless you understand that my king must be famous throughout the earth. Unless you realize that your king is not just another guy that's going to leave in four years or eight years. But your king is here to stay. That your king, if he rules over the world, he will have a better way of ruling than the way they're destroying themselves. See, when the Spaniards came to, uh, I'm thinking in Mexico, right? Um, one of the things that they brought over was Catholicism or Christianity. Before the Spaniards came to Mexico, crazy things would happen still, like human sacrifice. Now, of course, there's a lot of wrong things done in the name of religion, but I do believe that God's Jesus Christ, the Lord, of the, Lord, the Lord of all, was brought over from Spain to Mexico. Let me tell you why this is so important for you and I to understand. Because when that came, along with all the bad things like rats, right, came on the ships. You know what I mean? Like a lot with all the disease and, and all the people taking advantage of, of other people and all these things that were going on. Something beautiful also came. And that beautiful thing was the name of Jesus Christ. We had not heard of that. Now, of course, it could have been through missionaries in different places, but I believe wholeheartedly that what was imported from Spain was some respect towards, the, towards Jesus. So what they began to do was these crusades. We have a very bad understanding of crusades because, of course, in the name of the Lord, a lot of horrible things were done. But these initially began as something really beautiful. The crusaders were meant to be people that extended not just the, the kingdom of the world, but also the kingdom of God over these people. If you guys ever saw a movie called The Kingdom of Heaven, it's a powerful movie. It's crazy. It's, it's a great movie, but it's, it's kind of violent. But I, I realized that the heart of these people was right. Their methods were so horrible. The heart of the people was so right, but their methods were so horrible. Why do I say this to you guys? Because you and I don't have that, and we need it desperately. We need to have the right heart and the right mindset, of course, and the right methods. But where did we lose the heart, the desire for the extension of my king's influence over this world? The alternative is this. The ruler of the world is taking over. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence. This is something you never understood until you understand the kingdom of heaven mindset. The Bible says the kingdom of heaven suffer violence, but the violent take it by force. <sighs> understand it under the light of the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. The kingdom of heaven is being attacked by another kingdom and it's suffering violence, but the violent, the violent we will take it by force. I will not let someone take over the kingdom of heaven in my life. I will violently contradict it. I will not let the kingdom of the world take over the kingdom of heaven in my family. No, that, that mentality will not rule over us. Does that make sense? Yes, listen, the most militant people in this political sphere are the LGBT agenda, uh, agenda people. They are so militant. They're so violent. They're so violent against anyone that stands and says it's wrong. They will make you look like an idiot, like a fool, like a bigot. They will make you believe you are the enemy. 
And they'll do it publicly too. They'll put you to shame. That's why people are silent and they won't speak. Anyone who speaks, <gasps> is it true or not? Do you, do you ever feel that? That in the social media you could put all kinds of nasty stuff that I don't even want to mention because there's kids here. But the moment you put something that stands for the values of the kingdom of heaven, all of a sudden, <laughs> you start getting questioned. It's almost like not many likes there. Is it true or not? The kingdom of heaven suffers violence, but the violent take it by force. I encourage you today to really start rethinking your Christianity and say, Lord, do I think in terms of kingdom or do I think in terms of this world? I want to pray with you guys together. Uh, okay, we don't have time to pray for the 12 things. We're going to pray five minutes <laughs> at least. Um, but there's so much more here we'll be, we'll be learning in the conference. I believe God's going to share with, speak to us so much about this. But um, all of you are kings, all of you are rulers, all of you are queens. Don't behave like anything less than that. I know false humility will tell you, no, I'm not. I'm just a servant. I'm just a pawn. Yeah, okay. But you're a ruler. God gave you lordship. Start ruling. Start being managers of your time, of, of everything you have. Amen? Amen? He calls you royal. He calls you lineage. Stand up for a second.